You don't need to be a bioengineer to help change the shape of humanity. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Altrunas. I am so excited about this week's guest, Eric. It's like the perfect guest for this moment. Yeah, um, this is a, a, a company that has been putting ETFs out for, I believe, about two years. They don't have a ton of them, but they're interesting for a variety of reasons. But they hit my radar specifically in the past two weeks because of this sort of what I'm calling the AMC eclipse. Uh, this is that movie chain company that a lot of the Redditors uh, have, you know, sort of come back. The ones who put, you know, GameStop, you know, to the moon back in January, and then it went right back down. But they're back, and they've really rallied around AMC. It's gone up, I don't know, 100% each week for the past way, two weeks. Way more than GameStop. Yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing with AMC, is that they're really united on this one. Um, when GameStop happened in January, then they splintered off. Some people wanted to go into AMC. Some said silver. This time, they're all into AMC, and it's showing. The volume on AMC has been well over $100 billion over the past seven, eight days, and it's traded more than any other stock for seven days straight. Nothing has traded more than Tesla and the FANG stocks for more than a day in decades. Uh, it's just crazy. So there's a ton of activity, and what... What I was looking for is, okay, AMC is having a good rally. Like, what ETFs own it? And the, the ETF that owns the most AMC and GameStop together, about a 23 24% allocation as of today, is uh, SoFi's 50 uh, ETF, which um, I hadn't thought about in a while, but now I get it. It tracks the stocks that are used by their retail investors on the discount brokerage. Um, I've been telling people it's like a, maybe a slightly classier version of the Robinhood 50. Um, you know, the stocks that, that were tracked by Robinhood, although they stopped letting people track them. But this is the, probably the best way to capture that sort of retail YOLO kind of audience, I think. And yet it's gone largely unnoticed. And it's just been an interesting case study for me for a variety of reasons. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk to them about this e ETF, but also some of their other ones and just sort of how it works into their bigger business uh, plan. So joining us from SoFi, John Gardner. He's the business head of investing at SoFi. Can't wait to speak with him. This time on Trillions, the closest thing to a meme ETF you can find. John, welcome to Trillions. Thanks for having me. The ETF, SFYF, is almost the closest thing to bottled lightning you could basically have for what's been happening in the markets this year. Uh, how does it feel to have bottled lightning? Um, well, I think we've, you know, we think about building products that uh, resonate with our members and help them become better investors and, and uh, ultimately achieve financial independence uh, over time. Um, and, you know, we've, we've launched six ETFs to date. Uh, SFYF was born about a year ago um, and really just replicates the top 50 holdings of our members. And, you know, we thought 
we saw something very interesting because we have, uh, as part of a feature of our, bro our retail brokerage platform, uh, something we call social investing. So it's the ability to actually follow what other members buy. And you can see sort of by on a percentage basis, but not a dollar basis, what people are holding. And then you can comment and engage with, with other members. It's been a pretty engaging utility for, for our members. So on the back of that, we launched the SFYF um, as a mechanism to basically enable our members to very quickly sort of replicate sort of the mind of, of the group. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting that I think it's a sort of bifurcated between some of the meme stocks and then more traditional uh, holdings like Amazon or Apple or Tesla uh, that our members hold. Yeah, Joel, let me give you some numbers on this thing. So it's up 33% this year, probably a little more by the time this airs. Um, the stars of 2020 right? The Qs is up 7%. Um, S&P is up 13%. That's up more because value is having a big comeback this year. And then ARC is down 12%. So it's hard to come up with an ETF this year that's sort of able to break out unless you're a value stock ETF or commodities. But for something that holds just general equities that are not value stocks, it's just an anomaly. And as John said, it's interesting. It also has like a lot of airline companies which obviously aren't, you wouldn't associate them so much with, um, you know, a growth stock. It's got, um, a, a, it looks like a pot company. It's got Berkshire in here. It's got ExxonMobil, which is having a great year, uh, Virgin Galactic. Um, it's a real interesting mix. I guess, John, could you walk through how the stocks are picked and how this ETF works in relation to those investors that are using your brokerage platform? Sure. So it's the top 50 most widely held uh, U.S. listed stocks on our uh, SoFi Invest platform. And mechanically, the way that we look at it is by uh, first the, um, the the top 50 um, holdings by number of uh, members that actually hold uh, a stock or a, a share or a portion of a stock or share uh, in the portfolio. And then we basically weight the portfolio based on the the value of uh, the, the shares that make that top 50 from a weighting standpoint. And then we rebalance the portfolio once a month to basically reflect the, uh, the, the, me the mechanics that I just discussed. And now just real quick, um, your, your ideal weight for a stock isn't going to be 19%, but AMC has grown to 19%. We saw this with GameStop um, and the video game ETF where it became like a 34% weighting. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that works? Like, if a stock like this goes on some crazy run, it's going to have a bigger weighting for a while until there's A, the stock goes back down or a rebalance. That's exactly right. So I think that this was um, somewhat fortuitous for us. So we saw a massive run up into the uh, end of the month and then we did the rebalance. So while the stock was at, uh, you know, in the in the 20%, I think, total of holdings uh, for a period of time when we rebalanced it, it's back to somewhat somewhere around a 6% weighting right now. So when did you get a sense that AMC was going to light up? I think as probably most people, we watch CNBC all day and you could see that the stock started trending and, you know, we, we look at all the, the meme boards, the Reddit boards and things like that. And you could start to see some momentum behind it. But again, I think we're, we're agnostic. You know, I think we're, we're we, we philosophically uh, as a company want to provide a lot of selection for our members uh, and make it easy for them to invest, which is why we do things more broadly on the, on the retail brokerage side, like no commissions and being able to, to do fractional share trading. So while it was, again, fortuitous that we saw 
saw sort of a run up in, in, in the stock. I think we, you know, we're li literally just trying to give our members the, you know, the, the best and easiest way to uh, invest their money and then an easy way for both our members on the platform, but then, you know, off platform and other brokerage, brokerage platforms, the ability to sort of uh, easily with a, a single pur purchase, be able to, you know, get an exposure to the, the mind of sort of what our members are doing. So, you know, one of the things that I get asked a lot on Twitter, especially when one of these stocks goes crazy, is how come there isn't a meme ETF? You try to explain to people that it's hard to predict a meme stock or a situation before it happens. Potentially a short squeeze ETF would make sense because the memers seem to want to uh, buy stocks that are heavily shorted. But I guess this brings up labeling because if you look at this ETF, it's taken a, a little bit of cash over the past week. Um, but relative to the sort of shiny object moment it is having, where it's, you know, doubling, tripling the market, um, it's not a lot. And I, I wonder if there's any temptation to to change it or, I don't know, not regret, but like, do you, do you ever think about, well, if this had a ticker that was more clear that it was tracking retail traders or something, or are you, you know, just let me, not... Let me, let me ask a question for my friend. Why isn't the ETF called meme? Or, you know, a the... The retail trader, something that would allude to the fact that you're capturing young retail traders. That is definitely missing from the ETF marketplace. That's why it's an interesting uh, situation. So I, I have a couple of observations. First of all, I, I do think the ticker uh, name is critically important in creating brand awareness. Um, and you know, one of our other products is called the GIG, G-I-G-E for the gig economy, which we can talk about later. The reason why we didn't call this the, the meme stock um, ETF is largely because really what we're trying to do is reflect sort of the mind of the retail investor. And what's been interesting is that while we're, we're capturing, I think, um, some of the early trends for, for meme stocks and, you know, and, and more broadly, we've seen like our investors started buying Tesla before it got into the S&P 500 and it was a big position in the portfolio. Um, we also see that, that our retail investors are holding more traditional names like Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and Disney uh, in big positions. So I think you get a good balance of sort of opportunistic high price movement um, stocks with some of the meme things, but then also uh, more high growth, traditional high growth companies. And, you know, I also think that while you might try to chase the meme stocks and Eric, you alluded to this, that, you know, it's really hard to sort of identify what's going to take off and, and those things, those things turn around just as quickly as they, as they scale up. So, you know, we're trying to build basically products that have endured, enduring value for our members um, and are basically trying to solve for specific needs. So, um, you know, the reason we created the SFYF portfolio initially was because we saw, as I alluded to before on our social investing platform, that there's a high degree of interest in following uh, successful investors on the platform. And we thought this would be a great way to sort of um, very easy, make it very easy for our members to um, basically with one trade be able to get exposure to the mind of uh, basically the entire uh, member base of SoFi. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund so you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. 
There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Okay, so the difference that I guess I see here or, or could potentially see is like you, you have a, a membership uh, and a SoFi uh, investor set that you're clearly targeting. But at the same time, like assets under management in this in this particular ETF is what, 22 million? Like you, there seems like there's such a bigger opportunity with a different presence of ticker or sell to the marketplace because... I mean, what you're what you have under the hood here is kind of amazing, and yet the assets don't reflect it necessarily. Well, and look, can I jump in on that real quick? Just because we're so used to the opportunism in the ETF market that it, I, it might also speak to your main goal at at SoFi. You're not an ETF issuer; you're a fintech company that that happens to have ETFs. Can you just walk through that balance? And is that why that that you can? That you aren't maybe thinking in such, what the word is, like marketplace trends and, and terminology, and maybe you just have no interest in being that thing to the market. Yeah, I think that it's, I think it would be helpful just to step back and sort of introduce SoFi for those um, that aren't familiar with it. So we're an online personal finance company that enables people to invest, borrow, save, spend, and protect their money. Um, and we were uh, recently listed on the NASDAQ. Uh, we went public uh, via SPAC uh, through social, uh, with social capital uh, and Shamath. And, you know, broadly, our goal is to help people achieve their financial independence to realize their ambition. And we've been able to do that for, for millions, of, millions of our members. And, you know, as I think about the invest sleeve and spe specifically for, for SoFi, you know, we, we want to be the one-stop shop for our members to help them achieve that financial independence. So we started out with auto investing and then migrated into also offering um, a, a brokerage solution, which we call active investing. And there, you know, we were very early on and going commission-free. Uh, we, were, we were one of the first uh, firms to offer fractional share trading that we did um, initially on about 150 names. And now we do on about 4,300 names in a real-time basis. And then uh, in 2019, we also launched a crypto platform so that basically members that had brokerage accounts could very easily open a crypto account uh, and get access to some of the more traditional uh, 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 cryptocurrencies. And I think as we think about why we entered the marketplace for ETFs, you know, we want to continue to provide selection for our members that help them become better investors. And um, we found, you know, we, we found that there were some interesting requests and needs that we could, we thought we could, we could support. So we we came to market uh, in 2019 uh, with our first ETF, our first two ETFs, uh, SFY and uh, SFYX. And we were first to market with no fee ETFs. They were basically passively managed uh, accounts that were replicating uh, the S&P 500 and then sort of the next 500. From there, we've launched a handful of other uh, ETFs that we think meet specific needs for our members. So we came to market with a product called TGIF, which was a, a, week, a fixed income weekly uh, 
weekly dividend payment um, fund, which recently won uh, the uh, uh, best uh, best named ETF for 2020, and then more recently launched WKOY, uh, which is basically the equity component of weekly. Uh, dividend ETFs. Yeah, uh, um, can I jump here on these two? Yeah. TGIF. I remember when it came out. So this is a, it pays the dividend out weekly. Now, what's the point of this? Like, normally an ETF that holds equities and whether it's dividend or not will pay out monthly. Um, is this just because the younger investor wants that payment on a quicker basis, or is there another reason? Like, what's behind the need for weekly payout? Yeah, I think I think broadly we. You know, as as we think about SoFi writ large, you know, we help we try to help people think about their cash flow management, um, and we have a tool called Relay as well, which is basically our advice platform that you can um, aggregate all your data, and we provide helpful tips around how to sort of optimize your finances. Uh, and we thought that you know, I think a couple of things. One is it's just more predictive income on a weekly basis, and then two, to the extent that you're going to sell out of out of the port the out of the the, the ETF, um, you're basically not missing any of the fund distributions, which is probably more relevant on the WKOI, which is the uh, which is the equity ETF. But I think it was a combination of those two things. So when you think about overall strategy and you walk through a lot of the products that you you, you currently have brought to market, like what do you what do you feel like the end game looks like? I, I think, you know, we're trying to build like go back to go back to answer your original question. You know, I, while obviously it's important for us to grow um, assets on these platforms. You know, I think ultimately we want to create uh, a suite of enduring financial products and ETFs um, that specifically support the sort of things that our members are most interested in. So uh, while, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to potentially chase um, revenue opportunities and try to scale assets, you know, really, really quickly. And you never know when you're going to catch lightning in a bottle. Um, You know, I think, We've had this product in market for less than two years. I think all of our funds, like we literally have been in market for about two years, just over two years for, for all of them. I think what we're starting to see is we're start, starting to reach that inflection point, um, both from performance and uh, track record that uh, we're starting to get more attention. So, you know, I look at this as building an enduring platform of funds. We've got six today. We plan on launching another three by the end of the year. Um, that will be more thematic in nature. that will touch on different aspects of what we think our members are interested in. Um, you know, in our view that this, this will be a significant and profitable standalone business for, for SoFi over time. Um, but it's always going to be in the service of really thinking about what our core members that are investors on the, the SoFi Active Invest platform are looking for and building around those needs. Can you put yourself in your own portfolio, in your own ETF? When you say ourselves, you mean SoFi? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So no, so for the, uh, <laughs> it would be significantly heavily weighted on SFYF if we could. No, we purposefully excluded SoFi as a, as a constituent member uh, in the portfolio. <laughs> Eric, does anybody do that? Do they have themselves in their own portfolio? Well, this is what ARK got in trouble with, or not trouble, I, I, I don't have a problem with it, but in ARKX, the space ETF, the second or third biggest holding is ARK, uh, no, PRNT, the 3D printing ETF. Um, BlackRock, they have uh, target date type funds that hold BlackRock ETFs. Um, and BlackRock probably has a couple ETFs that own BlackRock stock. It's not unheard of. Um, it depends on what it is. In, th- in this case, though, if you're tracking the holdings and they outright hold SoFi way more than a normal person would, that you wouldn't want it in there. That's like a distortion. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't like ding them on that if it were like a, a reasonable weighting. 
John, one of the things we talk about a lot is how it really does seem like the the marketplace for ETFs has been polarized, for lack of a better term, between really cheap stuff, you know, cheap beta, as Eric will call it, and like on the other side, shiny objects. And so I'm wondering how you you kind of attempt to thread that needle, because in a way you can effectively kind of do both. Yeah, so I, I, I think if you look at the funds that we have, obviously we came with the no-fee um, ETFs and we, we decided just to extend the no-fees for, for a third year, which I think we're doing the filing for uh, this week. Um, I think obviously you want to provide value and differentiated value from a return standpoint that you can charge for. Um, we currently charge 29 basis points for the SFYF uh, product because it is basically mechanical in nature in the way that we um, construct and manage it. Uh, and then we charge 59 basis points for the gig product because it's an actively managed product. I think my view is um, broadly, you know, we don't want to, it's, it's very hard to compete with the iShares of the world and vanguards of the world and, and low cost. So I think where our opportunity is, is to find uh, unique investment opportunities or themes that we want to play and, and, and bring those uh, to our members and, you know, be able to charge what we think is a reasonable fee of something, you know, somewhere between 29 and 59 basis points uh, and potentially a little bit more if we find something that's actively managed, it just takes a little bit more heavy lifting to, to manufacture and manage. So, um, you know, I'm looking at your product lineup and th there's a couple other issuers that we have seen uh, where you, you could tell there it's like maybe they have beta and then they tilt towards a growth growth area. I would assume maybe you're, are you looking at other areas that have started to come back this year that have been sort of lagging for the past decade? That would be value, small caps, um, international emerging markets, commodities. Uh, good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're spending a lot of time this year um, as our retail investor business grows and we, we think about the types of things that they're investing in uh, and where we see some thematic trends in the marketplace that we might take advantage of um, where we want to introduce the next funds. Um, I think that they'll probably be less focused around sort of style um, and asset class and more around thematic investing uh, where I think it's just a way to easily express a view um, for, our, for our members. So I want to bring it back to SFYF because we started there and I, I'm curious like say say your members got really keen on on something and you know maybe as keen as they got on AMC and we you know you you all had to you know give it a spot a special spot in in the portfolio and in the ETF but what happens if it's a dud right AMC definitely went up and and everyone looks uh like geniuses for it but but what happens if it goes the other way um, so a couple of things. So so one, we have a security max weight of 10% um, on the rebalancing. So there's some constraint, even if you see an outsized position uh, in the portfolio, uh, and a sector, a sector max weight of 35% um, with 20% buffer to sort of the limit um, turnover uh, around those numbers. And then we'll rebalance on a, on a monthly basis. So I think it would naturally wash out, uh, you know, on the rebalancing both to the upside and then if things underperform that we would reweight them down. Um, to sort of manage against that. All right, John, I've got my closing question for you, which is what's your favorite ETF ticker that is not your own? Um, 
I really like what Kathy Wood's doing at ARC. Uh, obviously, uh, I think it's aligned to the types of things that, uh, you know, big, big thematic trends in the marketplace. You know, I think she's a good thinker and taking relatively concentrated positions and being early on things. And um, I, I like the brand because I think they're so transparent in the way they think about uh, their investment theses, how they're doing research and what's in the portfolio. Okay, so that's a vote for ARKK? Yep. Okay, there we go. John Gardner, thanks for joining us on Trillions. Right, nice, nice to chat with you guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weber Show. He's at Eric Balchunas. And you can find more about SoFi at SoFi. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcast. Bye. How does Invesco QQQ rethink possibility? By rethinking access to innovation and the NASDAQ 100. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.